Hi, everyone. It's me, Sandy Cruz of Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. For years now, I've been bringing to you conversations about wellness from experts from all over the world, whether it be suggestions and how you can age better, biohacking, alternative wellness. These are conversations to help you live your best life. I want to live a long, healthy, and vibrant life. Never mind all those stigmas that as we reach midlife and beyond, we're just going to shrivel up and die with some horrible disease. Always remember, balanced living works. I really look forward to this season. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have Dr. Alan Bauman, and we're going to talk all things hair loss for men and for women. And yeah, Dr. Alan Bauman is a well-accredited hair transplant surgeon, and he uses the best method available, but he does things differently. So I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast because whether you're a man or a woman, you're going to get some guidance on some possible reasons why you may have hair loss. And I got to meet Dr. Bauman last year at the Biohacking Congress in Miami which by the way, I'll be at again. And so will Dr. Bauman. It is happening in Miami on October 20th to 22nd. I do have a significant discount of 60% off for my audience who listen every single week. The code is Sandy K and I'm going to put some info in the show notes, but You know, I recorded this with Dr. Bauman a while ago. I don't know if I told you guys about my experience. So there's so many different reasons why we may experience hair loss, like so many. And I love what Dr. Bauman does because he takes an integrative approach. He wants to know why. Why is it happening? Anyway, I'm pretty sure I explained some of my experiences, so I'm not going to talk anymore about this. I'm going to let you listen to the entire podcast, and I'm going to ask you a favor. Please share this episode with anyone who you feel might benefit, because it's just so common for both women and men to experience hair thinning from midlife and beyond, and there's a lot of reasons why this might happen. So please share this with anyone and everyone. I'm also going to ask you to follow me on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm also on Pinterest. I'm on threads. I will post this entire interview on YouTube. It is Sandy K Nutrition anywhere and everywhere that you do social media. One last thing, I'm going to ask if you could please rate and review my podcast. I'm pretty sure you can do this on Spotify now, but I know you can do it on Apple, of course. And if you do that, what that does for me 
is, of course, it's an energetic exchange for providing you guys with as much free content as I possibly can. And the other reason is it helps me to keep getting incredible guests each and every week with incredible topics because the more reviews I have from you guys, the better guests I'll keep bringing to you. Anyway, enjoy this podcast and thank you so much for all your support. I truly appreciate you guys. And now let's cut on through to this amazing interview with Dr. Alan Bauman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have Dr. Alan J. Bauman. He is a full-time hair transplant surgeon who founded his medical practice, Bauman Medical, in Boca Raton, Florida, in 1997 and has treated nearly 30,000 patients and performed over 10,000 hair transplant procedures to date. Dr. Bauman is one of only approximately 200 physicians worldwide to achieve certification from the esteemed American and International Board of Hair Restoration Surgery. And to be an accepted member of the elite International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons and also recommended by the American Hair Loss Association, Dr. Bauman, he actually has many more accolades and credentials and probably too many to even name here, but I will have all of his information in my podcast description. So I will also say this conversation is going to be a little bit different because Dr. Bauman does things differently. And I was fortunate enough that we got to meet in person last year in Miami and it was awesome. And I learned so much from him. And so now with that, let's welcome Dr. Bauman to the show. Thank you for coming again. Thanks, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you again. And I really enjoyed that conference. It was great to meet you there in Miami. It was great. And I actually did a few fun things at your booth, but I guess we'll get into that. I think it's important to first talk about how you got into this entire hair restoration line of work. Yeah, well, it goes back uh, pretty far, actually. You know, a lot of people want to know when I decided to become a doctor. And if you ask my grandmother, you know, who since passed away, she would have said something like, the day he was born. Mm. Uh, so it was kind of preordained that I was going to basically go to medical school. And um, I, but I had the unique opportunity when I was a teenager to be mentored by a very prominent plastic surgeon in Manhattan. I grew up in New Jersey. And I remember before I could even drive a car, my dad drove me into the city and I met this friend of the family who took me into the OR and told me where to stand, what scrubs to wear and all that. And uh, we watched, I watched procedures that he performed that day. And it was amazing to see his artistic hands using surgical skill to basically change people's lives for the better using cosmetic and reconstructive surgery. And I knew at that moment that that's really, really what I wanted to do. And I, I kept my mind open, you know, kept a, uh, an open mind through the, the training and so forth. But even all through medical school and my internship and residency, I always thought that that's what I was going to do, uh, change people's lives through that, uh, through surgical skill. 
But it wasn't until I was in my surgical residency did I have an opportunity to see and meet a hair transplant patient. And the weird thing is, is that I didn't even really know or realize that he was a hair transplant patient until he told me in his medical history that he had had a procedure done. Back in the 1990s, I was, I guess, like everybody else, I thought hair transplants were kind of pluggy and weird. And yeah. like, why would you ever do that? You know? And so I was basically blown away by this patient's results, which were right there in front of me because it looked 100% natural. And we got into this casual conversation about the procedure and the technology at that time, which was becoming a lot more microsurgical. And uh, the other thing that I recall from that present, from that, from meeting that patient was how he described the hair restoration changed his life. And so socially and professionally, his life was altered from that point forward. And so I thought to myself, well, gosh, this plastic surgery thing is going to be amazing. Maybe I should also take a look at this hair transplant uh, stuff. I don't really know much about it. And so that began my journey of education, you know, and there wasn't really a lot of info out there. There were a couple of textbooks, journals, things like that. I really had to go and meet people. I really had to go to different conferences to meet surgeons and actually go and visit surgeons around the country to understand how modern hair transplant was being executed. You know, how was single follicle implantation and, and artistic uh, design creating something that looked 100% natural and undetectable. And so uh, over the time uh, in, that, in, that, in that phase, when I was doing my internship and residency in surgery, thinking about plastic surgery, that's where I took some extra time to basically be mentored by a hair transplant surgeon. And at, after that bit of time, it was about a year or so that I took off from my uh, surgical residency, I decided not to go back mm. to plastic surgery. And I decided mm. to focus 100% on hair. I was super excited about it. And it just seemed like this is what I was born and made to do. So um, that was, you know, 20, over 25 years ago. So I, we, I moved to Boca Raton, Florida with my wife at the time we were engaged. Uh, we packed the car and the, the, the belongings and my cat and everything and moved to Boca. And I opened the practice uh, with a thousand square feet with no employees and no um, referral sources or anything, just kind of a, a hope and a dream that we would start to begin to change lives with this new surgical skill that I had acquired. And, uh, you know, since then, my parents say it's been a 25 year overnight success. Well, <laughs> first off, I'm going to say you, you're, you're dating yourself a little bit. Cause I'm like, you don't look, you know, you don't look like you've been in the industry for that long. Right. So I mean, that's a testament to your youthfulness and keeping that youthful appearance. But I'm going to say you also do things differently. And I, I I know this because you and I met last year. So I think it's important to maybe begin with why does, why does hair loss happen? We know that genetics are obviously part of it. And we hear all these like, like stories, oh, you take after your mom's father and, you know, like maybe break down the genetics for us first. Sure, sure. Well, well, first of all, you know, just uh, on your comment on uh, being in the industry for 25 years. Yeah, it, it's gone pretty quick. It does seem like it's just been a blink of an eye. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have an amazing team and, and a 12,000 square foot facility today with over 30 team members. And as you said in the intro, you know, we've treated tens of thousands of patients and performed, uh, you know, over 12,000 surgeries and so forth. So it's been a pretty exciting ride, but we still have a lot of fun doing what we do. 
And of course, you know that uh, my hobby is longevity and health and wellness. So I do, I would say, practice what I preach on that. And just in the same way that I treat my patients with a holistic approach, it's not just with the, you know, psychiatry with a knife, just with the hair transplant procedure, but we really try to get to the basis of what's causing or accelerating their hair loss. And so that brings us to the other part of your question, which is what's going on out there with all this hair loss situation. So, I mean, obviously there's a, the background is always based in genetics and we know specifically in men that hair loss is genetic and passed along through the mom's side or the dad's side of the family or both. And that what you inherit is a sensitivity to DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone. That's a, a metabolite of the testosterone, male, the male hormone. And in women, you can also be sensitive to DHT, but there's a lot of other things that can dysregulate the hair follicle. And gosh, you know, just you can imagine stress, sleep-wake cycle dysregulation, nutrition, inflammation in the body, all of these different things can absolutely affect the hair follicle. So in our examination, let's say, or discovery process with each and every patient, we spend a lot of time talking about what their uh, social situation is, what their metabolic situation is, what's their lifestyle, and all these other things that are also contributing to that underlying genetic tendency, perhaps, to lose hair. And okay. so, and of course, you know, men and women, no, nobody wants to lose their hair. This is something that you're born with. It's a sign of youth and vitality. And as humans, we're hardwired to want to look good and feel good about it. Because remember that hair loss is like a biologic clock that's visible from across the room. So evolutionarily, we're certainly hardwired to want to choose a good mate and propagate the species. And on you know, our lizard brain is hardwired to do that, to make a snap judgment of whether this person is going to be a good mate or not. Mm. And uh, hair is one of those things that's important. It frames the face in a youthful way. A full, thick and healthy head of hair is something that's very, very desirable. And uh, you don't have to go back to the uh, the personal pages in the 1980s and 90s to, to know that, you know, men and women were looking, uh, you know, for guys with hair. You know, that, that was important. And uh, so today it's a swipe right or swipe left, I guess. But um, yeah. the point is, is that it, hair is hair is very desirable because it is an important sign of youth and vitality. Yeah. And that's why people want it. And when you start to see that, you're, whether it's your skin or your body starts to change in a way that you're not liking it, that's revealing, let's say, your age or showing your age and hair is certainly a big part of that. It's normal and okay to want to do something about that. Yes. And so I think that's probably the most important thing for your followers to understand. It's not like, oh my God, you're so vain, you want your hair back. Well, no, it's like you had your hair. That's like somebody, like you, your arm fell off. You want your arm back, you know? Hair is usually a part of you and it's a very important sign of self-expression. And so as humans, we're, we're very emotionally wired to our hair. And some people embrace hair loss. Certainly if you're gonna, you know, rock it like uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you know, that's all fine sure. and good. Um, but, you know, or Sinead O'Connor, you know, on the female side of things, um, you know. But anyway, the point is, is that hair is important and it's okay to want to keep it and enhance it and beautify it and restore it. And that's what we do for patients day in and day out. Yeah, I think I think that we're living in an era now whereby it's not something to be embarrassed about or to hide, you know, women and men alike openly talk about doing Botox and doing skin treatments and doing, you know, it used to be so hush hush. And 
Alan, I am very transparent. Like I'm not going to go out and scream to the world everything that I do. But if somebody asks me, I'm certainly not ashamed to say what I'm doing. And I think that hair loss traditionally has always been this, you know, the guy goes away for a little bit. He wears the hat for a very long time and hides it and make sure. And I'm like, you know, that needs to change because I'm with you. I think for men, women alike, you gotta do what provides you with that youthfulness inside. And then of course, do all the other stuff too. So you do a lot of testing there, right? To see why the hair loss is happening. Because I want to make this clear, even for the women out there, this happens to women all the time. Hair starts to thin. There's Issues that could be relating to hormonal issues. Like I know, you know, for me, having no thyroid, I've gone through situations whereby I become very hypothyroid and giant clumps of hair in my brush is not a fun feeling. And I'm, I'm a woman. So you treat both men and women of all ages. So maybe start with what you do differently from any other hair restoration expert. Yeah. So from the very beginning of my practice, we always had a lot of women come through uh, the practice for evaluations and treatments. And what was interesting is that my colleagues hardly ever treated any women. Back in the 1990s, it was like 90, 10, mostly men, 10% women. But what I saw in my practice is that women were flocking to find Mm. out what was going on. And so it was up to me to try to figure this out. What is happening? So, of course, as you describe, hormonal changes are really important. A lot of times women will see hair shedding, for example, after childbirth. And, of course, the hormones are, are raging at full tilt yeah. during pregnancy. And then immediately after childbirth, boom, they're crashing. And six weeks later, they could be shedding. And sometimes that shedding is short-lived and things regrow and it's all fine and good. But in other times, it reveals this underlying tendency towards female pattern hair loss, which, of course, looks different than male pattern hair loss. In men, you can see across the room, the hairlines are receding, they got a little bald spot yeah. in the back. You know, in women, it really just degrades the density in the frontal zone and the temple areas, almost imperceptibly at first to the naked eye, but you're feeling the difference. You might be seeing the shedding. Your hair texture might be changing. Certainly that ponytail volume might be decreasing. If you're seeing more hair in the shower, in the, in the brush, that may be a sign that something's going on. So as those hormones change through life, whether it be childbirth, perimenopause, menopause, or as you mentioned, thyroid and other hormones, hair follicles are very, very sensitive to changes in hormones and other things too, even cortisol. So as you are experiencing a global pandemic, a lockdown, you're stressed out, you know, you're not sleeping well. All of that is going to raise your cortisol levels because under the perceived stress, your body is gearing up to fight or flee uh, from the situation. And the excess cortisol shuts down follicles in a big way. So I've seen over the past few years an unbelievable explosion of hair loss in both men and women and an acceleration of that natural male or female pattern hair loss process that is revealing um, 
a lot of thinning and shedding and, and, and scalp shining through. Yeah. Uh, and it's, again, not just being sick with COVID, but again, the, the stress of the lockdowns or even the vaccination which yeah. seems to dysregulate the immune system as well as the microcirculation in many cases. We're seeing uh, issues with strokes and clots and things like that, oh, yes. uh, heart problems. You know, that's, that's very, very well documented now as this thing has been rolled out to so many people. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review with a few kind words. This helps me to keep bringing fabulous guests to you each and every week. Thanks so much. And uh, I've had patients with autoimmune hair loss. So autoimmune hair loss looks a little bit different than female pattern hair loss. Usually you'll get a round circular zone or patch of hair that will shed out due to autoimmune conditions. And that can be something that can be as simple as a reaction to something you're in your environment or something that you've eaten, or again, that level of stress or lack of sleep in your lifestyle factors that can uh, trigger that autoimmune system to kind of ramp up and fight the follicles, unfortunately. But most of the patients that we see in the practice have some hereditary component and then these exacerbations uh, from their metabolic system or lifestyle. So, oh, and of course, today, Ozempic and uh, Wegovy, all of these, uh, the GLP-1 agonists uh, that mm. people are using for diabetes or to lose weight uh, are is creating a whole nother, I want to, I hate the word pandemic, but a whole nother uh, situation uh, of hair loss in a, a massive amount of people. I mean, you can't even, it's hard to get the drug here in Florida. Yeah. Even the diabetics are having a hard time. There's so many people on it for weight loss, but um, that can certainly you know, due to nutritional deficiencies, if you're not feeding yourself enough protein while you're losing the weight, you can lose hair at the same time. And that I've seen so much of that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's so interesting because I've heard actually a lot of not so great things about being on that drug for a long period of time. I mean, I'm sure it helps a lot of people, but then there's also some, some fallback when you I guess some symptoms that you experience when you try and get off too. I didn't know that hair loss, but that makes sense because nutritional uh, deficiencies, not eating enough protein, absolutely. You're not getting the amino acids. So do you do, do you actually do gut testing and everything there? Yeah. So we do uh, gut testing, nutrigenomics, we do genetic testing. Um, You know, we spent, I have a a full-time, nurse practitioner who is trained in functional medicine and endocrinology. Uh, He is a great friend of mine. Uh, We've known each other through the American Academy of Anti-Aging for many, many years. And I was finally able to convince him to come down from the Northeast uh, of the U.S. here uh, to Florida with us. So um, it's a bit of a new project for us, but we've always had, uh, even my existing nurse practitioner who's helped me uh, sort through these things, to figure out really what's going on. Now, are we, are, we're not your primary doctor right. uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but we will uncover things because we do extensive blood work in most patients uh, if the symptoms reveal. And uh, we're seeing also a lot of patients, like I said, who are on a, a weight loss regimen. They may have been on a restrictive diet, you know, vegan, vegetarian, where they didn't realize that they were missing essential nutrients and literally fuel, uh, you know, and, uh, and then the other folks who are on uh, maybe medications. And so patients who are on blood pressure medications, mood modulators, uh, cholesterol drugs can all uh, affect your hair. 
And then, as we mentioned, the weight loss medications, the GLP-1 agonists certainly can do that. And also hormone replacement in some cases. So, for example, if you're doing hormone optimization as a man or a woman and you're using some testosterone, testosterone, because it turns into that DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone, the androgen, if you're super sensitive to that in your hair, you can trigger some hair loss. And so... I like to, to think that we're doing the things that can optimize your hormones, but also protect your hair. Um, and if yeah. you want to lose weight, no problem. We can help you lose weight, but also protect your hair. We can get you to be thinner and your hair to get thicker. And that's sometimes missed in these other practices that you see out there that are not specializing in hair. And so, gosh, what good is it to lose all that weight and then lose your hair at the same time? That's not a great idea. Oh, I don't think no. I would be hating that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is huge because I don't think people realize, and I, obviously I'm a nutritionist, so I'm going to say food is medicine. So if food is medicine and you're not taking your medicine, your medication, quote unquote, then you're not going to do the body good if you need it and we need food. So, you know, that's really, really important to note. Yeah. And we've learned this. I mean, my background in general surgery, I certainly saw a lot of bariatric patients in the 1990s as that technology came available. And, you know, bariatric patients, people have had weight loss surgery, tend to lose a lot of weight pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, And so that, you know, years ago, that kind of prepared us for where we are today with this new realm of weight loss drugs, which are kind of mimicking that rapid weight loss in many patients. And so as a nutritionist, I'm sure you can agree that all of that needs to be done in a careful way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's also, uh, you know, other new modalities that we can uh, employ to help those patients maintain muscle mass, maintain bone density while they're in the weight loss program and growing their hair. And so whether that's, you know, hormone optimization with peptides and things like that, that can really enhance uh, hair growth and maintain muscle mass. I think that's really, really important. And a lot of folks do seek us out because we're kind of known for that. Yeah. You also have incredible technology that you use to see what's going on. And I know I actually have a video. I'm going to have to post that um, because I, I actually had one of those foot, uh, It was like photography. You're going to obviously explain it. But you checked to see if I was having less hair density in certain areas. And then. Sure. Yeah. Think think about, okay, you know, no matter what kind of health issue you're having, your caregiver, your physician should do a history. And that's what we just talked about, you know, elucidating what's going on with the lifestyle factors, you know, risk factors. Like, have you had plastic surgery or other surgery in the past? Have you had a brow lift, a facelift? You know, those things can cause changes to the hairline and density and so forth. So uh, what medications are you on? Oh, that's the history, right? But then there's the physical exam. And so traditionally... The physical exam from your dermatologist is looking at you from across the room and going, ah, you got plenty of hair. We'll see you later. You know, yeah. come on back when you're bald, right? So that's like not, that's not kosher That in my book. That's like, um, first of all, that's terrible. It's degrading and it's disrespectful yeah. because a woman who comes in and says that she notices that her ponytail is thinner, um, 99.9999% of the time, she's not lying. She knows yes. because women take inventory of their hair like 12 times a day. And I think that there's some science behind that, you know, whether you're touching it, feeling it, berating it, 
you know, managing it, coloring it, styling it, much more than men with a crew cut, right? They're, you're, you guys are inventorying your hair totally. multiple times a day. So I learned very early to believe the women <laughs> that they're not lying to you. In more ways um, than one. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they, they may look like they have got a head of hair. It's not like male pattern baldness, but there's something going on. So we need to look more closely. So thank God. I mean, this is in, you know, 2001 or whatever. I got the first video microscope for the scalp. It came from Paris, France. It was called the Capilla Care. News uh, uh, organizations came from as far away as Boston to fly down to uh, Miami to, to actually video me using this tool, which was brand new here in the United States. But, but anyway, the point is that so many years later, here we are, over 20 years later, we have an AI-powered microscope that literally takes pictures of different areas of your scalp compares the good areas to the weaker zones, not only in terms of density, how much hair there physically is per square inch or square centimeter, but also the quality of the hair. So it measures, is your hair super fine and short? Is it medium thin or is it is it medium thick or is it super thick? And every hair is actually tracked on your scalp. Uh, we have tools that enable us to actually track every individual hair over time, like a virtual tattoo. And that's an even newer technology than what you saw at the conference Very uh, cool. last year. So th- why would we do all of this? Well, the importance is to get a baseline measurement to compare the best areas, which would typically the, be the back of your scalp, unless you you know mistreated it with hair extensions or something like that, to, and compare that to other areas that are typically going to be thinning. And especially in women, it's going to be the front and center. Yep. In men, obviously, it's the crown or the temples. But we'll compare those areas and see what is the current status. And the reason why that's so important is because you can lose 50% of your hair density without it being noticeable to the naked eye. That means on a photo, in the mirror, to your friends, you look the same, but the density is 50% of what it was previously. So we need to identify if there's 30% loss, 35% loss, because that's going to tell us what's happened over the past 10 years, and we need to fix it and halt that process so you can maintain that density for the next 10, 20, 30 years or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have, again, I'm very transparent. I definitely have some weaker, and obviously I'm not going to use the terminology correctly, so correct me, but I had weaker follicles exactly where you're talking about for women. Exactly. Right here at the top of my head, I had um, very, very fine. I think it was fine. Right. Miniaturized, right? Yeah. So those hairs are, those follicles miniaturize over time, right? So the follicles under the skin, that's what creates the hair that we see. The hair that we see is dead, the keratin. It's basically like your fingernail. Yeah. But the living and growing part of your scalp, uh, the the mini organ, the follicles, there's actually, you know, uh, 150,000 of them on your head when you're born, um, they turn on, grow a hair, and then they rest after several years for about 90 days, and then they turn on and grow again. And that cycle should repeat on and on and on over time. But as you lose hair, the follicles spend more time resting, not as much time growing, and they weaken. They get, uh, they grow a thinner, shorter, wispier hair with each successive cycle so that eventually they become beyond repair. Um, the good news is that we have a lot of therapies and treatments yes. to be able to influence the follicle and a lot of ways to influence, you know, your nutrition status, your lifestyle, your gut microbiome, whatever it may be. Also looking at the health of the scalp, right? The microbiome of the skin 
and the and in, making sure there's no inflammation up there and there's no buildup or sebum, the oil glands and that are producing the sebum. Uh, we don't make sure they're not overactive and make sure that you're not, ex, you know, that your scalp is exfoliating correctly. And if not, there's things that we can do to fix that too. Right. So, you know, for anyone who's listening, it's not, it's not necessarily a about doing a hair transplant. There's so many other options if you're a candidate for those options. Because I know for me, when I had that done, you talked about, and, and I think it was somebody who was at your booth, was showing me a special red light therapy device that actually works. And I, ha- I, I put on there that actually works because one thing I will note is red light therapy is huge, okay? We all know this. Everybody knows how important red light therapy is, photo uh, biomodulation, whatever you want to call it. But there are different waves of light we need to strengthen the follicle that's already there. But you, when the follicle's dead, you can't. You, it, it's not going to work, right? Correct. So there's this huge opportunity. If you know that your hair follicles are weakening and you're prone to female or male pattern hair loss, there's this huge window of time that you have to take advantage of early to help preserve and enhance the follicle function, make it more resilient to these, uh, you know, everything, all these uh, things that we do to our hair, whether it's styling and color and braiding and extensions and all the other stuff that's going on in terms of our lifestyle and nutrition, you know, we have to make the follicles more resilient. So you mentioned red light therapy, which has been a part of my practice since the 1990s. Um, Actually, I set out to disprove red light therapy because I'd never heard of it in medical school. I had no idea. Yeah. But what I learned is that red light therapy has a very powerful effect on wound healing and it has an extremely powerful effect on the metabolism of the hair follicle. And so but of course, it's dose dependent. You want to be able to get the red light and the specific type of light, laser light, down into the skin of the scalp. It hits the mitochondria, which are the energy centers within the cells. It creates more ATP, which is the fuel that cells use. All of this has been worked out in the years since. We had no idea yeah. how this thing was working, but now we do. And we thank you to Dr. Michael Hamlin, who's done the lion's share of the research in photobiomodulation and published it. Uh, So we know exactly how it modulates inflammation and certain wavelengths are used for stroke victims and blood flow to the brain and and to help, you know, non-healing wounds and diabetics. And so when we use red light on the scalp, we're not using some, you know, clunky, crappy device from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that is not going to work all that well. Now, could it work? Well, maybe if you stack them one on top of another or something like that. Um, maybe that would work. But the problem with some of these low-quality devices is that they're so cumbersome to use. They're such low power that it's like you think you're going to go get a suntan by going outside for five minutes. No, you got to spend a little bit more time out there if you want that biologic effect to occur. And the same is true with the scalp. It's dose-dependent. So the newest devices that we prescribe are medical grade. And what does that mean? It means that there's over 300 diodes, for example, in the Bauman Turbo Laser Cap. It's completely portable. It's collapsible, so you can take it with you. It has a battery, a battery pack that's rechargeable, so you can do it hands-free. And it's got a short treatment time, just five minutes at night. And so that's our most popular laser that we prescribe and dispense through the office. It's Dave Asprey's favorite laser. Mm. I'm sure you know yeah. the father of biohacking. Um, when he was married, his wife had one too. She loved it and bar- borrowed it. He had to get another one. Yeah. <laughs> 
to get to her. But the point is, is that these devices now are very sophisticated, but they're going to be a little bit more expensive than what you see on the consumer market, just as you would maybe look at different skin creams or medications or things like that. Same is true with topical medications. Over-the-counter Rogaine or Minoxidil is going to be kind of greasy and gooey and weak. It doesn't penetrate all that well. And a prescription version like 82M or something like that, that formula is going to be a lot more user-friendly, easier to use, uh, more gentle to the skin, more powerful at the follicle, and not leave any kind of residue that's nasty or annoying. So there's medical grade, and then there's like the regular stuff that's down there. Too. Yes. Uh, but red light is just a piece of the puzzle. If you love non-chemical treatments, well, we combine red light with regenerative medicine technology like you saw at the conference. We have transepidermal delivery of growth factors and peptides. We have injectable treatments like platelet-rich plasma yeah, I was, and nutritional supplementation, things I like that. I was going to ask you about that because PRP is becoming more and more known for hair. You know, I've actually done PRP. I did this and and everybody told me it wouldn't last and it's been six years and I, and I, not in my hair, I, I did it um, on an Achilles, uh, chronic Achilles tendonitis and I was told it wouldn't last, but it, it's six years and it's still going strong. So with PRP for the hair, how does that work? Because we know there's growth factors in PRP. Sure. So for many, many years, we knew that the growth factors and cytokines and the information contained within platelets is utilized by the body to trigger wound healing and rejuvenation. I mean, that's what happens if you cut yourself with a paper clip yeah. or something like that. You get a paper cut, um, platelets rush in, the blood gets clotted, and then all of a sudden tissue regeneration and repair occurs, right? And so those are, that's the effect of platelets. And uh, when we use platelet-rich plasma, the idea is to take a sample of blood and to centrifuge it, to separate the formed components using G-force, literally a centrifugation process, get rid of the red blood cells, get all the platelets, concentrate them, and then re-inject them into the area of concern. So when you use PRP on your Achilles tendon, hopefully it regenerated and rejuvenated the tendon and repaired it. And that can be a permanent response. On the scalp, because the follicles are highly metabolic and they're cycling on and off over the course of time, usually, and years and years ago, we used a series of platelet-rich plasma treatments to affect the change. <clears throat> but today, we've learned that if you use 10 to 12 billion platelets with a biological scaffold, a single treatment can last 10 to 14 months. And so that's our traditional PRP that we've done over 12,000 times over the past 18 years using a very, very high dose of platelets in seven and a half cc's, seven and a half uh, cc's of injectable um, platelet-rich plasma to get the results that we want in terms of hair growth. <clears throat> so that's an in-office treatment. It doesn't take much time, less than an hour or so. And there's no recovery, no downtime. And it gives a boost from the follicles that are still alive, the ones that are not dead, okay. uh, to grow thicker and stronger and better for about a year. That's what I was going to ask. So maybe we should we should cover that off because there's a big difference if you just have thinning hair, but the follicle is still alive versus completely gone and you don't have any hair there, Correct. right? So maybe we should Correct. talk about what are the options... Okay, we talked about PRP, we talked about the red light, um, we talked about nutrients, all of those things can affect 
those follicles that are still alive. But what if they're gone? Correct. Correct. So, I mean, look, there are still some other things that you could employ with on the medication side of oh, things. Yeah. Um, and there's more aggressive, um, you oh. know, regenerative treatments that could be used as well. Can um, we finish? So let's thinking, finish that. Finish that first. Yeah. Because you know what? People know Rogaine too, right? And you mentioned Rogaine, but then you mentioned right. that there's more of a therapeutic grade side to Rogaine. Yeah. So let's finish that. I mean, that makes Rogaine. sense. Yeah. Rogaine is a hair growth drug. Uh, it was FDA approved like 30 or 40 years ago. Um, originally, it was a blood pressure medication. And they noticed that those people on super high dosages of that would lower their blood pressure, but they're also growing hair like all over the place on their arms and stuff. And that's how it became a baldness drug. And so that's how we got Rogaine. But over the years, um, they never changed the formulation. So it still became, it still is over the counter, greasy, gooey, doesn't penetrate all that well. But when we use a prescription version of minoxidil, we can do a few different things to it. So minoxidil is the active drug that works to grow the hair. It's an antigen-promoting agent, which means it turns the follicles on and keeps them growing for an extended period of time. So if you have a weakening effect, the minoxidil will counteract that can I, in a good way. Can it, I ask you a question? You yeah. said it's an androgen-reducing. No, antigen. Antigen oh, is the okay. cycle of the hair follicle. Okay, good. I'm glad I, I – because I, I'm like, did you say androgen-reducing? <laughs> I don't know if any guy well, wants we're gonna, that. We're going to get – yeah, I mean, Sandy, we're going to get to the and- anti-androgen therapies. There's okay. another medication for that. Okay. But minoxidil has nothing to do with your hormones. Okay. Minoxidil has everything to do with stimulating the follicle and increasing blood flow, and that's what it's designed to do. So today, you can get you can get the over-the-counter version, or you can get a prescription like Formula 82M, which is a powerful prescription version of minoxidil. That's our most powerful uh, minoxidil topical actually and it's been used for almost 20 years and hundreds of thousands of prescriptions here uh in north america both in canada and the u.s it is available the side effects we now well so on the scalp when you ever use a topical it could cause irritation but obviously a lot less than if you're using the -the over-the-counter version it's going to have a much better effect it's going to penetrate better and if you did have a a side effect like irritation, it's usually dose dependent. So you just decrease the amount. Okay. And it's the prescription versions have some anti-inflammatory component to it. Uh, It makes it absorb a little bit quicker with tretinoin in there. So there's a few different things that are like magical that we combine together. Cool. The other thing that's really interesting over the past year or so is that in the general public, the public has become more aware of oral microdose minoxidil. And so for years, a decade or more, we've been using oral minoxidil for our patients who couldn't tolerate the topicals. Um, And we use a small dose that doesn't affect the blood pressure. And we start very low and go slow. We're going to ramp it up and figure out what dose would be workable. But that's a very powerful hair growth drug that a lot of people are on. I'm on it as well. And usually a microdose does not have any uh, blood pressure side effects like headaches or dizziness. But that is something that could happen with the oral version of minoxidil. So a lot of patients are, are getting that prescribed. And again, we also use a compounded version of that because I want good quality. Yes. I don't want you to go down to your, you know, local, you know, garden variety pharmacy and get some, you know, garbage generic that they're, yeah. that they're filling, you know. So the other medication that's very popular m- primarily for men is finasteride. Finasteride was FDA approved as Propecia as the second yeah, FDA approved I've drug. Heard of that's that. an oral antiandrogen that blocks the formation of DHT in the body and inhibits the formation of DHT to be accurate. And as you lower the DHT levels in men, you then therefore protect the hair follicles. 
So it's a pretty powerful drug. 90% of guys get a positive effect from that. Two out of three get a regrowth effect to some degree. And in postmenopausal women, we can use it as well, both topically and orally. So uh, the caution is that finasteride in men, sometimes 2% of the time, can create a mild and temporary decrease of libido and also mild and temporary erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So some people are sensitive to it. In women, we don't have any reported side effects, but we don't want to use it in women of childbearing age uh, because it can affect the DHT levels in a developing male fetus, which is not good. Okay. So we don't want that. Okay. Good to so know. Postmenopausal hysterectomy, no problem. We can use finasteride in women off-label. So it's not that's not an FDA-approved use, but it is an off-label use that we use routinely to also help women who have some thinning hair. Okay. That's the one I was talking about that reduces some of that. You can have that effect of reducing some of the androgens, right? Right. So it's an anti-androgen effect. So it's going to reduce the DHT. Now we can use finasteride uh, orally, as I mentioned, we can also put that into the topical in oh. conjunction with the minoxidil. So that's, again, what compounding pharmacy allows us to do is take an FDA-approved medication and use it in a different way to reduce side effects, uh, but still get great efficacy. And topical finasteride has that ability for men, let's say, who don't want to try it orally or can't or have had trouble with it. Uh, they can use it topically, and that reduces the risk of systemic side effects like dramatically. Like It's extremely rare virtually unheard of to find someone who's sensitive to the topical finasteride. Okay. Good to know. Great. Is that all of the, the, the ones, the, the options, if you have the follicle? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, there's the regenerative treatments like PRP. Then there's also the TED transepidermal delivery, which is an in-office treatment that requires only about a half an hour, no needles, no downtime, no blood draw. And that's where we use an ultrasonic delivery system to break the stratum corneum temporarily, which is the moisture barrier in the skin, to allow penetration of these larger molecules like the growth factors and the peptides. And that's a treatment that we were demoing at the conference. Yeah, I tried so, that, that in a little area. Yeah, so, right. So you felt the vibration of yes, the scalp, right? But yes. There was no pinching, no pain. It was very no. relaxing, I'm sure. Yeah. That we do in the office. Um, we were one of the first to actually have that in North America. And it, it has not even launched in Europe and Asia yet. So we're really excited to be on the cusp of that technology and to be amongst the few doctors who have that and are qualified to, to uh, prescribe that and perform that outside of the original research studies that were done. And the results have been fantastic, unbelievable in terms of regrowth that I've seen. But it's like, uh, again, you know, remember, I don't know if I told you this, but I learned last year that Bauman means farmer in German. Oh, so bow is tree, man, guy. So tree guy is a farmer. And so if we're talking about the scalp, if the trees are all dead and gone, we better start planting some more, you know. Uh, but if the, if the follicles are weak, that's where we want to energize them with all of those things that we just talked about. Okay, very cool. I'm going to have to find those videos because I know people are going to want to actually see those are really useful because we can talk okay. about it. But when you and I, I'm sure your social media has a lot of stuff, too, and a lot of resources where people can see. Um, OK, so let's say I come in and I have a lot of follicles that are just dead, gone, nothing yeah. there. 
So a lot of our women come in, sometimes they've had some previous cosmetic surgery, like a brow lift or facelift. Obviously, the hair doesn't grow back in the scar naturally. But if you implant hair into a scar, you can get it to grow. The same is true for a healthy scalp. So areas that have receded where the thinning has occurred, or even if you want a lower hairline that looks more youthful, that looks more feminine, we transplant hair follicles literally as, as small as a single follicle, as little as one at a time from the back of the scalp. There's no scalpel or stitches, any kind of that linear or strip harvesting anymore in my practice. We haven't done that in over 15 years. Oh. We harvest the individual hairs one at a time and implant them into the thinning and the balding area in an artistic way so as not to damage the existing hair. And okay. those hairs will grow there relatively permanently. So gone are the days, because I remember seeing like the whole strip where, okay, now, this is, isn't this called the FUE method? Yes. Right. So the, t- the, the traditional method that you just mentioned, the strip harvest, is what we were all trained in back yeah. in the 1990s. And uh, I believe, unfortunately, many surgeons still do the strip. They haven't learned or perfected the way that we have the FUE procedure, follicular unit extraction or follicular unit excision, however you'd like to call it. FUE is the minimally invasive style of hair transplants and we don't have to do a scalpel or stitch harvesting anymore. And so you're not left with this big gaping wound that needs to heal. Uh, You're not restricted in terms of activities. After four days, you could be back in the gym. Most patients don't need any pain medication after a day or so. Um, You could, if you're a guy and you want to wear a short haircut, you can wear a buzz cut or fade without any worry that there's a telltale scar back there. And for our women, we can actually harvest the follicles without changing the hairstyle, without shaving any area whatsoever if we need to. Okay, so for let's let's talk about both scenarios. So what if you're a guy that doesn't have a ton of hair in the back left to harvest yeah. from? So meaning that, that may, may, did they have a previous surgery or some? No, other I'm just saying it's most like guys have a lot of hair. It's. It's thin everywhere, but you guys can, if there's hair there, you can harvest that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, look, not every patient is a great candidate for a heroic hair restoration sequence, right? But if you look at patients like my dad, who had total baldness, he had a lot of hair around the sides and the back. He wore a hairpiece for decades. What we did is multiple sessions of transplantation, taking the hair from the sides and the back of his scalp a little bit at a time and restored a full looking head of hair. So does he have all the hair that he had when he was a teenager? No, of course not. But he has enough to look like he has coverage. And that's the point. So that's the idea with extensive hair loss. When you have a supply and demand problem, sometimes it's not feasible to harvest everything that we can out from the back of the scalp. And we have to go to alternative sources of donor, like beard harvesting. For oh, so, very cool. In fact, we're doing, we've done a lot of these cases. Not a week goes by in the practice here at Bowman Medical where we're not doing some kind of beard harvesting, sometimes exclusively for a patient who has the only hair they have left now. Sometimes it's in conjunction with transplantation if we know they're running low on donor supply in the scalp. But it's done carefully because... We don't want to put these thicker beard follicles that are coarser or have a different color in the hairline or anything like that. We pepper them in between as filler uh, to increase density as we go further back away from the hairline. That is so cool because, you know, you see a lot of uh, men who will have hair loss, a lot of hair loss, but they've got these beautiful beards still. That makes a lot of sense. 
Now, yeah, beard is a great location to harvest from. I mean, we can also do body hair, but there's also other issues. If we go to the chest or the belly or the arms or the legs, the hair spends less time growing. So you get a shorter hair length. Right. With beard, you can get a very long hair length. Typically. Yes. So if I went, let's say I wanted to go in and get some hair replacement in and around where a lot of women have thinning, you would yep. take from the back and you wouldn't even notice? Correct. So remember I said earlier that you can lose half your hair and it would look exactly the same. Um, women need less than 5 or 10% of the available donor supply usually to fill up the frontal zone. So it's a very, very small, let's say, withdrawal from the donor bank uh, in those areas to give to the frontal area if we need to, to create the coverage. Yeah. So. Um, and it's even smaller if we need to do something like eyebrows or eyelashes or sideburns or something like that. But typically, let's just talk numbers of grafts for a moment. The frontal zone for most women, maybe 1,400, 1,600 grafts. And that uh, is just a small fraction of what's actually available around the sides and the back of the scalp. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because here's the thing. Sometimes, Alan, I wonder, because it's such a big it's a big trend right now for women to get those. Um, oh God. I know that. Yes. I, I was going to say weave and that's totally not the right word for it. I, I, but they get these like tapes and all this kind of stuff. And then over time, doesn't that do way more damage? Oh yeah. So what you're talking about is hair extensions and there's no safe hair extension. Okay. Hair extensions are, are miraculous. They look amazing. They I do. mean, they use it in Hollywood all the time. If you're going to, you know, uh, a high profile event, you're going to a special event, a wedding, a, you know, something like that. You know, you want an amazing head of hair in one day, boom, you've got Hollywood hair. But the problem is that the hair follicle when you put extra tension or pulling on the follicle over time on that extra, the extra weight on that hair, it can create damage at the level of the follicle. And so folks that wear women who wear hair extensions repeatedly, even if they're rotated around, eventually they're going to have hair loss in, unfortunately, the best area that they have available right. for transplantation. So it can be a really devastating problem. If you're losing hair in the front, and then you've worn hair extensions in the back for a decade, uh, you become less of a good candidate for transplants. But the good news is, is that if you're going to wear hair extensions, there's a lot of things you could do to make those follicles more resilient to, the, to that traction alopecia, which occurs with tight braids. It occurs with um, the, uh, the wigs or weaves that a lot of women wear, especially ethnic populations are pulling their hair, attaching with glue as well as wearing extensions around the sides and the back, whether they've been taped in, glued in, beaded. There's a gazillion ways to put extensions on your hair, and none of them are healthy, unfortunately. None of them are 100% healthy. Some of them are better than others, you know, because the more the, – the, it's like time under tension, right? Like when you're doing an exercise and you're holding the weight with your with your muscles, it puts extra tension on the muscles and creates more tear – and hopefully more growth of lean muscle mass. Well, if you put tension on that hair follicle for an extended period of time and you don't let up on it, it's going to damage the follicle permanently. Okay. Um, so, and, and the other thing I want to say is that the cost, it's so expensive 
when you're constantly getting new extensions and new hair and I just know it's it's a lot of money too so it's almost like you know there are other ways you can have beautiful hair and in the end it's probably not going to be a massive cost differential when you add up the amount of money you have to spend to get them retaped and then you have to buy new hair over anyway I'm just saying you know, just totally my opinion here. Um, no, I mean, look, you know, people people spend a lot on hair extensions and, and wigs and weaves and things like that and maybe doing a lot of damage to their existing hair. Maybe some of that beauty budget might be better dedicated to protecting existing hair at the same time, at least some consideration to it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I love my bio hair. I don't want to wear a hair piece. My dad wore a hair piece for 20 years before he had his hair transplanted back. Uh, and our women are the same. But, you know, look, if you need a hair system, we do that, too. We do cranial prosthetics that are medical grade that are built oh. in uh, a factory in Bologna, Italy, based on a, a 3D scan of your scalp. Um, and then an incredible team of artisans in Bologna are going to create a beautiful hair system in 12 weeks using 250 man hours of work from a billion hairs that they have in their hair library. And that could be an instant, you know, Hollywood head of hair. And we can do that for men and for women. I've done that pro bono for women who have had injuries or trauma, like a a childhood burn, a kitchen fire. Uh, We've done that, uh, you know, for injured military veterans who have uh, lost their hair in uh, and scalp damage from uh, uh, you know being shot at or, or blown up in Afghanistan, in the Far East. So uh, sometimes we need to use a scalp prosthesis, you know, to get the job done. And those prosthetics um, are amazing and incredible. And you know they stay on for weeks on end, and you can go swimming and skydiving and shampooing and all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, I think you know, I've seen with those that. Cranial prosthetics. Yeah, I think I've seen that. There's there's like a a newer thing where people are you know, just doing a little piece and they kind of glue it on, right? Is that what you're referring to? So, I mean, look, there's a lot of different types of hair pieces yeah. out there. There are disposable ones. There's ones from China and the Far East. And then there's these beautiful ones from Italy, which are medical grade. Um, the medical grade hair systems are obviously much different. That's the, that's the upper level, the Ferrari, if you will, of hair systems because they're so beautiful and they use unprocessed human hair and they're customized specifically to the shape of your scalp using a, a, a polymeric base, which is a flexible base that gets attached to your skin. So whether you need it temporarily because you have chemotherapy going on or something, God forbid, like that, or you've had a burn or an injury, this is a lifeboat that you know we're we're happy to provide to patients um, if they need it or want it. And we have a lot of uh, actors and politicians who use those kinds of hair systems as well. Um, of course, if they can't undergo those other types of treatments that we spend so much time talking about, like transplants. Mm. Okay, let's say I am only. 25 years old and I'm a guy because I think it starts a lot of times in quite young like young men what is the first thing you would suggest for a 25 year old who is noticing that their hair is starting to thin yeah so 20 percent of guys in their 20s have visible signs of hair loss. It's yeah. a huge number. Yeah. And unfortunately, it can be very distressing because you're at the bar on a Friday night with your friends and you're the only guy with male pattern baldness and you look 10 years older than your friends do. That's not cool. You know, you're in the boardroom and you've got this receding hairline. Not good. So 
Um, it's, it can be very devastating for a guy with early male pattern hair loss. They may be locked into wearing a baseball hat wherever they go. And yeah. that's not so good for social situations either. You know, you're not going to the wedding or a fancy dinner with a nice, you know, for a nice night out wearing a baseball cap. That's not going to fly. Right. So you have to get an early diagnosis and you have to get evaluated. So, I mean, I have guys who are graduating high school with a big bald spot and it's awful. Mm. Thankfully, that's not the norm. Usually it's just a little bit of thinning, a little bit of a recession, and we have time to stop the loss. So we're going to inventory the situation. We're going to look at your medical history. We're going to look at your lifestyle factors, make sure you're not having this toxic lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of these kids are college students are starting out in their careers and they're burning the midnight oil. Literally, they got like, you know, not much sleep going on. And, you know, not such good nutritional status. So we need to kind of, you know, get our hands on all that and at least identify what's going on. And then should they be on medications or not? That's very a personal decision. You know, should a guy be on finasteride early? Well, we prescribe a lot of finasteride very early. Why? Because it's powerful. And in 98% of patients, there's no side effects. Mm. And in 90% of the time, we get a good result. But that might not be for everybody. So let's talk about transepidermal delivery, PRP, which is non-chemical. Let's use red light therapy. Let's good, you know, get you to cleanse the scalp properly with the right hair care products. Let's make sure there's no itching or inflammation or dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis or other scalp conditions that can be identified. Mm. So it all starts with that conversation and the visit, which can happen virtually. And so 50% of all of my patients start just like we're talking today on Zoom. Uh, we're doing a virtual consultation all day long with patients in the initial stages, getting that inventory of their situation, looking at their hair and scalp from a distance, obviously, but also getting an idea of what their level of concern is and what they'd like to do about it. Now, maybe they might eventually need to come into the office for sure to get measured, and especially if they're going to get a treatment like a PRP or a TED. Yeah, they'll be in the office for that. But let's get started like immediately. We can't waste another day because as we say in the world of hair, time is follicles. Mm. Every day, every week that goes by, you know, especially for a guy in his 20s, right after puberty, it can start going down. Yeah. So let's get on top of that and figure it out. I have a lot of second generation uh, patients, right? Um, sons and daughters of my previous patients who are now in their 20s, who are in the practice and we're protecting their hair and they may never, ever need a hair transplant. Wow. And that's the cool thing about it. So I'm happy to treat those patients. We have a lot of them. In fact, probably two thirds to three quarters of my patients that come through the door today may never, ever need a hair transplant or at least not one for a long time. And that's because we're early in the prevention. What do you think of oxidative damage or stress as a cause for hair loss? Oh my gosh. Well, oxidative stress is terrible for just about everything skin related, yeah. not you know, of course, the hair follicle, yeah. um, it can dysregulate the system of hair production and it can also dysregulate the hair pigmentation. So we've ah, all heard about yes. you know, stressful situations where, um, you know, all of a sudden you get a, a shed or you've gone gray overnight, it seems, you know, all of a sudden this can happen. And, um, you know, that's, you know, there's a lot that happens with oxidative stress um, and it can actually, you know, degrade the hair follicle. So we want to make sure that Again, we're taking a more holistic approach, that, approach than ever before, and that's why I have that functional medicine department in the practice. That's why I have a scalp and health, a scalp health trichologist, certified trichologist in the practice, and she has a team. Um, so we're really hitting it from all inside, outside, all different angles. 
to really take a complete effect. And that's why our patients look and feel great so quick, you know, from treatments is because we're really hitting it from all different angles. There's no one magic bullet. And any, any Instagram ad that tells you this is a magic vitamin for hair growth, you know, you got to just swipe on, you know, just keep scrolling. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, it's not magic, it's medicine. And that's really what we need to do. We need to take action early and take a multi-therapy approach. And it's not one size fits all. Yeah. I'm going to let you in on a really, really new modality, a new secret weapon that we have Yay. that's coming out. And, um, you know, this, this is really uh, probably the first public podcast that we've talked about this on. So you're super lucky. Cool. And I didn't tell you about it ahead of time. But uh, I've, developed, I've developed a system um, because, I've, I, you know, I, you probably know I wear an aura ring. I'm really keen on my yeah. sleep. And, and, of course, uh, the sleep-wake cycle is really, really important for a lot of different habits, right? So if you, if you align your sleep-wake cycle accordingly to your, to your chronotype, which is how you're supposed to sleep, you'll perform better, hopefully stave off uh, degradation of your of men, you know, mental degradation, uh, you know, keep your brain function good, keep your metabolism going well, decrease stress and things like that. But also good sleep-wake habits then pour over into good other habits. Like, for example, if you want to do treatments for hair loss, right? So if you're taking nutritional supplements in the morning and at night, it's a good time to do that at morning when you wake up and at bedtime. And if you're doing a topical medication, morning and night. If you're taking an oral medication, maybe it's one or the other. If you're using laser light, maybe it's right before bed like I've done. And so I've learned that getting into a habit is really, really important to win the battle against hair loss. And so I've developed an app to help people uh, basically synchronize their sleep cycles and to get into that habit, that habitual regimen, and also learn about hair loss and hair restoration. So the Hair Coach app is going to be released shortly. I'm going to send you eventually uh, how people can download it. We're going to debut it at Dave's conference in Orlando over the summer. And so I don't know when this is going to air, but if it's after that, then uh, we'll get you the information, obviously, about that and how it works. But it's a really, really interesting way to be consistent because consistency with treatments, anything, nutrition or otherwise, weight loss, you name it, you need to be consistent. So I'm really super excited to use this circadian cycle method for hair regrowth. And uh, I I think it's really going to be super exciting. I love it because we all know if you're, I mean, if you're in the wellness space, you know that everything revolves around that circadian rhythm, right? Maybe that's why, you know how we talk about epigenetics and you see these 20 something year olds who carry that genetic, they carry the genes and then, you know, they, they talk about epigenetics, you know, the gun is loaded, but what's the trigger? Well, how many 20 year olds do you know? sleep perfectly and you know have all these great habits they're out partying they're out right so maybe that's why you see it start to happen in their 20s i love that alan that's so cool yeah i mean i I was one of those dysregulated sleep people (laughs) from uh probably from my residency program uh you know 140 hours a week at general surgery uh i've never slept well since i don't think kind of like uh, almost like a military deployment uh, just from the, the sleep-wake cycle, obviously not anything else. But, um, you know, I've worked really hard to organize my sleep, at least to try to get better quality sleep, even if I can't get more of it. So more, more time on the, on the mattress, so to speak. Yeah. But um, this, I think this sleep, uh, this, this chronobiology is really, really important. And the circadian method is going to be great for hair growth. 
and excellent for our patients. And basically anybody who wants to kind of hack the system, even if they're doing treatments on their own with like, let's say a laser device, how do you get in the habit of doing it? Well, you need, you need a little bit of a coach and that's what this hair coach app is going to do. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything we missed, we covered a lot, didn't we? We covered a huge amount. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time on eyebrows and eyelashes, which no. is a, a favorite of many women. And so if you had thyroid issues or you've had a metabolic uh, situation, you can lose the, uh, the thickness and the strength of your eyebrows. Yes. Or if you've overplucked them. And there's topical medications that can work a little bit. And, of course, transplantation for those areas. And it's a very, very popular treatment for women uh, as they continue to age and lose eyebrows. But remember that eyebrow transplantation, what is this, comes with scissors. Uh, Why? Why does it come with scissors? Oh, gosh. This comes is with a- scissors because we use the follicles from the scalp and implant them into the brow. And they grow long. So you have to trim <gasps> them. You have to groom them. Oh, kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, see, you see those like 80 year old men who have the really long eyebrows and ear hairs and they have to trim them up. That's kind of, oh, interesting. Interesting. I, 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 I admit. I, even though I may look young, I still I have to trim my rogue eyebrows. But yes, yeah, so um, it's so. But women can get their eyebrows transplanted. And it's a very popular uh, uh, request in the practice, as well as hairline lowering. Women who never had any kind of hairline recession, but are born with a very high hairline, and they want something that looks more youthful uh, in the mirror and uh, to present a more feminine look. That's uh, a very common request. Oh, oh and then of course eyelashes. So eyelashes, right? We can transplant eyelashes. Uh, those also come with scissors because they grow super long and you're going to have to trim them. And, uh, you know, gosh, if you're in a nursing home and you're not doing your biohacking stuff, then someone's going to have to trim them for <laughs> you uh, as you age. But but um, but eyelash transplantation, also very popular. It's one of my uh, specialties. I'm one of the only physicians that uh, tackles eyelash transplantation. I've done it for over 20 years. Really? So it's a very popular thing and also in the practice, yeah. Well, that's kind of cool because, I, you know, eyelash, um, what are they called? The, the, see, I, can you tell I don't do this stuff, Alan? Like I do do a lot. I do do a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I don't do hair or lash extensions. Sure. And um, I exactly had that issue because I have thyroid ongoing ups and downs. Yeah. And so I actually... <laughs> I had to do something about my eyebrows because of that. Because, you know, it's Mm -hmm. one thing to be able to fill in with a pencil. But if you are going to the beach or, you know, nobody wants to get out of the water with, like, no eyebrows, right? So I like that there's options. Did you do pigmentation? I did. I did. Yeah. So a very common, a lot of our women come in, they've had... uh, micropigmentation of their eyebrows and it looks beautiful and they love the shape, but they just want it to be a little bit more three-dimensional. So instead of having that flat, even the brush strokes are kind of flat looking. Totally. So adding just a teeny tiny bit of hair into those areas really can make a big difference. And that's what we do with the transplants. 
I, you know what, that, that is a great idea because I, I do see, like, see, obviously from a distance, you can't tell, but if you come close to right. me, you can tell, right? That there's no actual, well, I mean, I have hair. It's just that it's not like it used to be, yeah. put it that way. Right. And that's very, very common. And that's what our women are seeing. And so, um, you know, a lot of times we also see that shed, uh, happening from, uh, vaccination and COVID and also stress and lack of sleep and, the hormonal imbalances and all that. So we do test for all of that and ask about it, of course. Um, you know, and even the weight loss situation can also affect the brows and the lashes. So, you know, again, it's this holistic approach, dissecting down into what are the root causes, no pun intended, yeah. of hair loss or maybe intended, um, and figuring out what's going on. And that's why uh, people should start, uh, you know, sooner rather than later if they're seeing a hair loss issue. Okay. This has been such a great conversation. Where can everyone, I know you're in Boca Raton. The name is Bauman Medical, but where's the best place for someone to get started with you? Yeah, the good news is that I've had BaumanMedical.com, B-A-U-M-A-N, medical.com, the website for over 25 years, and I've written every single word on that website. There's thousands and thousands of pages and hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand videos of all different topics that you can imagine related to hair loss. But the most important thing is to click get a consult. So start here is the button, I think, and schedule a consultation. It means that we can connect virtually through Zoom. So from your home or phone, uh, you can talk to me about your hair loss situation and we can start to dissect into what's going on and what are the factors that are influencing your hair, good, bad, or otherwise, what you're doing now that's working or not working, and then what's the long-term plan to really increase you know, your hair span, which is the amount of time that you get to live with an amazing, thick, beautiful head of hair. So we're all here to increase our lifespan. We want to live a little bit longer, but most importantly, health span, right? We want to decrease that... Um, that, uh, that, that last 10 years of, uh, you know, whatever it is, res that re what they call the residual decade, um, you know, of, uh, of, of poor quality. We want to make that best quality over that last decade. And that should include your hair. And yes. so hair span is a big part of that. So baumanmedical.com, click schedule a consult, uh, or just ask me a question. If you have a question about your current regimen, go to baumanmedical.com slash ask, and you can just type in anything and I'll respond to you. And uh, we can get started with just that simple question. Of course, uh, you know, I, I do present uh, a number of different conferences. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to all of the traditional social media channels. I'm on, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, all the rest, as you can imagine. And uh, we're always updating where I'm going to be and where I will be speaking and so forth. But Bauman Medical is located in Florida, but we treat patients from all over the world. That's amazing. You're amazing, Alan. So nice to connect. Thank you so much. Great to be with you, Sandy. This is excellent. Hopefully I'll see you at the next conference. Yes. And um, thank you for this great opportunity to talk about hair to your listeners and followers. I hope they enjoy it. And uh, just let them know that I'm here to answer any questions they might have about hair loss and awesome. make sure that their hair you know, looks good and, and feels great. Thank you, Alan. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share it with someone you know might benefit. And always remember, when you rate, review, subscribe, you help to support my content and help me to keep going and bringing these conversations to you each and every week. Join me next week for a new topic, 
new guests, new exciting conversations to help you live your best life.